1: Welcome to today's show. Today we're going to be talking to someone that could easily occupy a whole lot of episodes on this podcast. And uh, after checking out his social media and seeing all the adventures that he's taken, it was actually hard to decide on just one adventure. But uh, among his many adventures, today's guest, Derek Wood, also known as Matador, has recently completed a through hike on the Pacific Crest Trail. And that's going to be the focus of our attention today. And I'm super excited about it because the more I learn about the trail, the more I want to get out there and hike it myself. So just a real quick recap for anybody that's unfamiliar with the Pacific Crest Trail, thought I'd share a few key stats from the Pacific Crest Trail Association website. So it's a trail that extends from Mexico to Canada, and it passes through California, Oregon, and Washington. It is 2,653 miles long, and it is both a hiking and equestrian trail. So along the way, it goes through 25 national forests and seven national parks. It includes elevations of just above sea level all the way to 13,153 feet in the Sierra Nevadas. Uh, there are millions of visitors uh, hit the trail every year, but uh, only about 5,000 people obtain permits to through hike. And This year, Derek Wood, who is our guest today, was one of those brave people. So, Derek, welcome to the campfire.
0: Hey, Scott. Yeah, thanks for having me on.
1: Oh, my gosh, man. I am so excited to just talk about this adventure and and many of your other adventures. So, one of our recent podcast guests who climbed Mount Everest, Taylor Grist, introduced me to you because you also have climbed Mount Everest with him. And, uh, and this what we're gonna talk about today was essentially part of your training for that journey.
0: All right, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, so um, if you could, let's just jump right in. I wanna find out a lot about you and your day job and your, your, your day life, but let's just jump right into the, to the trip itself. So can you tell us a little bit about the Pacific Crest Trail?
0: Yeah, so the Pacific Crest Trail is located on the West Coast. You start on the Mexican border in Campo, California and it's around 2,650 miles all the way from Mexico to the Canadian border in Washington. And it takes you anywhere from starting in the desert to the high Sierra range um, into like the Northern California area. And then from there, Oregon and Washington which are kind of more volcanic areas. So for me, what was interesting, there's like a lot of variety on that trail compared to some of the other big trails in the US like the Appalachian Trail. Um, and so yeah, that's kind of what it takes you through.
1: Yeah, and some some unexpected terrain as well. Like when when you and I first spoke, you were telling me that at the start, you were going through the desert, but you experienced some weather that one wouldn't uh, necessarily equate with the desert.
0: Yeah, a lot of people think of the desert as this dry kind of tumbleweed cactus area, but uh, it's like the high desert in California. And so I think it was the second or third day out there, it actually snowed on me. And uh, we had to take cover in uh, this lodge area, Mount Laguna, uh, to kind of Get a break from the snow. Uh, a lot of us weren't expecting that that early, and uh, there's some days you know where it got down to like just one degree with wind chill, and there's way deep snow in some parts in the desert. Um, I started early, so there's a lot of like hardships there in the beginning, uh, just not expecting that in the desert like that. So
1: that's crazy. So what what time of year did you start?
0: I started March first, which is the earliest um, permit date you can start on.
1: So snow snow in the desert in March is possible.
0: Yeah, definitely. Even uh, later, later in April and May, you can still get snow out there too. I've heard.
1: And along that trail, I mean, you're also hitting portions that are like 100 degrees. Like, how do you pack for those Mm -hmm. such extreme temperatures? And you're carrying everything in your pack.
0: Right. So yeah, starting out, I had a 10 degree quilt uh, to help me keep warm at night. Um, And like I said, there is some days where you're you're, like waist deep in snow, trying to hike through a mountain pass, and then coming back from uh, Nepal. It was like a total 180, and there was like a heat wave that I hiked through in the desert, and it would got to like triple digits for three days in a row. So I went from you know freezing, waking up to frozen shoes and socks, and trying to deal with that kind of scenario to coming back, trying not to pass out in the heat, you know, because in some parts of the desert there's just Joshua trees and there's like hardly any shade, um, so you really don't have any reprieve from uh, the desert sun and those extreme heat waves. Uh, so yeah, both ends you can deal with that in the desert.
1: Yeah. So does the trail go through Joshua tree?
0: Uh, it goes near Joshua Tree National Park, but it, um, it kind of cuts to the west of there. So you kind of go in between Palm Springs and, uh, and west of there. Um, but there are northern parts of the desert where you start seeing a lot of Joshua Trees everywhere. So you kind of yeah. get that experience. Yeah,
1: that was one of my favorite national parks that, that we got a chance to visit. So beautiful out there. I will say
0: you go through many national parks on the trail, which is awesome. Yeah, I'd
1: said seven. it's at 7 i, I have not had a chance to look and see which ones, but um, I mean, I have a goal to try to hit all the national parks. And so, hey, that gives me the opportunity to knock out seven. That's pretty cool. Oh, it helps. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So how long did the whole, the whole trail, how long did it take you to through hike
0: So it took me 120 days, so around four months um, from start to finish.
1: Okay. And you had a little break in between there.
0: Right, and I had a two-month break um, going to Nepal for trying to climb Mount Everest. Um, so that definitely added on. But if I was to exclude that, it was under 20 days,
1: a month or so of the trail, then heading off to Mount Everest, and then mm-hmm. coming back to finish things up. I mean, what a what an epic <laughs> year!
0: Yeah, it's definitely a definitely a journey. I think I saw a lot of shock faces when I when I told people come back where I just came from. So. <laughs>
1: it's it's incredible so i I definitely want to come back to that and just talking about the year itself and and how you got there but let's keep going on the trail so what were some of the the major highlights for you on the pacific crest trail
0: oh there's so many um so definitely the desert i think a lot of people kind of put down in their mind that they're not going to really love the desert section and definitely coming back even though there were some hot days uh there's just a lot of beauty out there I remember there's one section you cross the road and like just the the local like flora just changes immediately. Yeah. You see all these different types of cactus out there that um you don't see um in other parts of the desert, and it's just pretty wild looking cacti. Some of them look like you know like sea kelp where they stretch way up in the air. Um, there's some really pretty mountains like San Jacinto. They get to go up and around. Um, and then just in the desert, it's so dry out there too. You can just see for miles on end sometimes. Um, so you just get this really awesome sweeping views. Um, so I really actually love the desert section looking back even though there are some really tough days, both cold and hot. Yeah. Um, and then going north of there. So Mount Whitney, you actually, the trail goes right by there. So a lot of people take an alternate path to go some of Mount Whitney, which is the highest mountain in the continental U S. Okay. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, so me and my trail family, went up there starting at 2 a.m. in the morning to summit for sunrise, and that was definitely one of the most special moments on the trail for me. Wow. Um, Just amazing views from up there too. And then going further north, just the whole Sierra mountain area, some of the lakes you pass are probably like some of the most pristine, prettiest lakes I've ever seen in my life. And there's really hardly anyone out there to experience it. So you almost have all these lakes to yourself and you can take a break in the middle of the day or in the morning just to go for a dip in these Alpine lakes. And uh, yeah, it's just gorgeous. Um, and then going north of there, even, um, you know, a lot of people like struggle on the Northern California area just cause coming out of the Sierras, is kind of like a little bit of a letdown, mm-hmm. but there's still some really pretty areas in Northern California. You go through Lassen Volcanic National Park. Nice. So it really starts getting more volcanic in Northern California as you get closer to Oregon. Okay. And that was really cool to see, um, the Lake Tahoe area, like one of the prettiest lakes I got to, you know, go swimming in was Lake Aloha. Mm. and me and my friends stopped there to have lunch and go swimming and that was probably my best one day on trail uh just a really gorgeous lake with these rocks out in the distance that you can swim to um so that's definitely definitely as a hike the trail there's places in my mind where i really want to go back there one day and do like a weekend trip because there's there's times on the trail you feel like there's a hand pressing on you and it's just you know you just got like this pace you have to set and you need to keep walking so you don't have a lot of you know days where you can just take three days in a spot you're like and just hang out you know because there's fires you have to worry about there's um snow in Washington potentially so you're always kind of like setting a pace and hiking a certain mountain miles a day
1: I think you told me uh four months and I just did the math like 2600 miles isn't that like 25 miles a day or something like yeah
0: you become like a super athlete out there I, and that good, that's in regards to anybody because you're hiking pretty much all day long from when you wake up. to basically sunset.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, I mean, just from the amount of fitness you gain, you kind of become like a super athlete, which is really cool out there. And there'll be days where you're hiking, you know, a marathon a day or like a 50 K day. Um, and then some people actually do like 24 hour goals or see how far they can hike in 24 hours. And sometimes they do 70 or 80 miles. Um, so yeah, definitely you can do a lot of miles in a day and that's pretty impressive to people they're not familiar with your hiking
1: well you mentioned that um you know there were times when you would take a couple of days off of hiking and so i'm thinking you know an average of 22 miles a day if you're taking some time off that means you're you're doing a lot more than that on the days that you're hiking which is oh, definitely. Really, it's intense and but, in the beginning
0: though obviously you're you're kind of not in shape for that so the beginning's a little bit rough and a little bit slower but once you hit your stride after the first week or two yeah it's easy to do a marathon or 30 miles a day especially with how much sun you have in the summer
1: I think that's an important point for people to hear because, well, like what I just heard you say was, you know, you're not really in shape for it when you start, but just Mm -hmm. naturally, because of the length of time that you're doing it and you're doing it every day, like you get in shape on the trail. So, I mean, do you have to be in shape to start?
0: Definitely not. I've seen all sorts of varieties of people out there that start the trail. Some people, you know, are just like tired of being uh, like out of shape and overweight in their life. And this is like a way for them to finally like, focus on themselves and get in better shape. And so I've seen some people that start out the trail like obese. And then at the end of the trail, they have like their post finish picture and they've lost like 70 or 80 pounds and, you know, they're super fit. Um, I've seen even like little kids out there and stuff like in the trail, like down even four years old. So yeah. I think the trail is really for everybody. And that's, what's kind of exciting. All backgrounds of people. Yeah, it's,
1: it's amazing. So, so as you get up into like Oregon and Washington, what, what, what was it like up there?
0: Yes. Yeah, so and then it starts getting really volcanic. Um, Oregon's known as kind of like the flatter section where you can really knock out a lot of miles. Um, but for me, I didn't want to do these long mile stretches cause I want to take my time and enjoy it some more. Yep. Um, but you get to the three sisters area where you start seeing some big volcanic peaks. Um, and then in Northern Oregon, you get to Mount hood, which is this pretty big volcano yep. and you go right around it. And then, um, so that was really neat. And then also in Oregon, probably my favorite place on trail entirely was, um, getting to crater lake national park yes you hike over this rim and then all of a sudden it just opens up and there's this huge lake and it almost looks like an alien landscape there's like this giant lake and then this crater there's like this wizard island is what it's called in the middle of the lake and it's just really wild and you get a hike along the rim of it um and so that was probably my favorite section on trail just because of how unique i thought it was you know
1: yeah, Derek, my family um, lived in Oregon when I was really small, and there's a picture of me sitting right next to Crater Lake as a little, little kid, and uh, so I've always wanted to go back there. That, that Now you're just giving me more inspiration to to go recreate that picture.
0: Yeah, and almost everyone takes It's actually an alternate. It's not the true PCT, but it's I guess because it's not meant for horses, and it's a horse trail. Got it. But pretty much everyone I knew took the alternate just because of how spectacular it is. Yeah. And you get to hike part of the rim trail, which is really exciting, too.
1: You mentioned your, um, trail family. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So starting out, um, I was really worried, honestly, cause I was all by myself. I didn't know anyone out there. Um, and so I think this is a way like people shouldn't worry about too. When I hike on the trail, you're going to meet so many people. And everyone's super friendly. They're out there with the same goal. Just want to be outdoors and enjoy it and hike. Um, so it's really easy to make friends on trail, but yeah, it was my first night and I was really scared about sleeping by myself that first night about mountain lions and all sorts of animals mm. Um, but these hikers, um, ran into me that night and we, we spent the night together. They had been, uh, through hiking other trails too. they had been on a PCT before. Uh, one guy was a triple crowner. So he had done the CDT, the AT. Um, and so I kind of fell in with them and I uh, really enjoyed hiking with them and made friends with them. And so I stuck with them for the first, like, you know, 300 miles. Um, and then I got to mile 400 and I left to go to Nepal And so coming back again, I didn't know anyone and I was at that phase again, Yeah. but the first trail town I got to was to Hatchby and I got, I ran into a hiker in town and he invited me to dinner. There was probably like 30 or 40 hikers at this dinner. And so I made a bunch of friends there and then actually met a couple of them back on the trail when I got dropped off uh, by a hitch and I ended up sticking with them for the next like almost 2000 miles. So um, yeah, I would say it's just really easy to meet people of all different backgrounds out there. And you never really have to worry about falling in with a trail family. You'll find your right people and you'll stick with them the whole way.
1: You know, that's super fun. The, the sense of community out there. So tell us about the name Matador. How did that come to be?
0: Yeah. So starting out on the trail, there was a couple of names of the, uh, that I was kind of trialing out, uh, but none of them really stuck. But then I went to Nepal and we kind of had the same tradition of trail names out there. And so we were hiking up to Everest base camp. And there's these animals called zokios. It's kind of a breed between a cow and a yak. And they're really friendly, kind of docile animals. And they're at the lower elevation, so you don't really have to worry about them. But as you go higher up, um, it's where yaks are more working because they're, uh, they can deal with low oxygen environments. Mm-hmm. And so as we were hiking, I thought they were zokios. And so I started hiking up towards them and got <laughs> in the middle of them. And my guide was behind me and saw what was happening. He's like, Derek, get out of there. And so I was like running away from all these yaks down the <laughs> hill. Uh, because Yaks can be deadly. You know, they can be kind of aggressive. Uh, They can turn on you and gore you with their horns. Uh, and so you started calling me a Matador after that, and it kind of just stuck. That's and, a perfect um,
1: name, Derek. I it love it. Had a
0: good story behind it, and so yeah, I just kind of rolled with that when I came back from uh, Nepal.
1: That's awesome. One thing I, I noticed when I was looking at the um, Pacific Crest Trail Association's uh, website, I just something caught my eye. It said that there are stretches of the trail where there might not be water for thirty miles, or yeah, mm-hmm. for up to thirty miles. I was yeah. just curious. How did you deal with the water situation?
0: Luckily, there's an app I use called GoHooks, and it basically shows you all the water sources along the trail, um, and the best part about it is it leaves comments from users. So you can basically comment on a water source and say it's dry, or hey, this trail on your left, you know, 10 gallons of water here, and there's five gallons left. And so it updates live, and so you can always check that to make sure there's water head somewhere. But there's definitely stretches in the desert where you really have to worry about water supply. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely out to Hatch near Walker Pass. You know, there's probably like a 20, 25 mile carry day where you had to carry water for that length of stretch because there was no water out there. And that was also that section where um, there's triple digits and it was a heat wave. So wow. that was probably the hardest section for me uh, dealing with heat. Danger. So it's definitely something wow. you have to be aware of. And people think if you're hiking every day, it's really easy. You don't have to like plan ahead. But there's definitely parts of like like the water supply situation and food where you really have to, you know, do some planning and um, know where you're gonna restock on those things
1: yeah but man it's a little different now than it might have been 20 30 years ago there's an app to find water what was the name of that yeah. app again
0: yeah so gut hooks is probably the most popular app that people use out there it shows you everything from camping sites to you know where you can get water um it has comments or trail towns of like you know different things you can go see for restaurants uh, grocery stores and, and things like that so yeah i mean it definitely changes everything it's it's really useful I met some people that are more purists out there that don't like to use that they prefer paper maps because um definitely using gut hooks like an app like that can kind of spoil things for you yeah um but it's also a super useful tool and so I think it really depends how you use it you know
1: well it, you know you find yourself in a, a place where you don't have any water it's <laughs> that's a it's a pretty good option to yeah into. so one thing I wanted to ask you about was um you mentioned the first time that we spoke um that the way that the trail was designed, that there aren't any really aggressive slopes. So I was curious if you could kind right. of tell us about that, like how technical is the Pacific Crest Trail?
0: It's really never that technical because it's designed as a horse trail to begin with. Mm-hmm. So the steepest grade you'll ever encounter is like 20%. So there'll be times where you have to like, you know, there's some high elevation out there. You're going up to like 13,000 feet at the highest point, but because it's so gradual, it's never really that difficult um you know like the Appalachian Trail I've heard is actually more difficult just because it gets pretty steep out there and there's parts where you're scrambling and using your hands there's ladders but on Pacific Crest Trail it's totally hikeable you can hike the whole entire thing and it's never that steep it's only 20% grade at the highest
1: so so beautiful out there it's just something I'm super inspired to try to do did you have any um any wildlife experiences you did mention a little fear of mountain lions
0: Yeah, but I never saw one. And, uh, you know, if you get in your tent at night and you're not hiking at night, you never really experience mountain lions. Um, It's only really if you're hiking at nighttime, you might see them. But even then, they don't really want to mess with you. But uh, definitely, I saw a lot of bears, uh, brown bears in particular. Uh, So, like, in the Sierra range, uh, there's some bear counters. And I think... The reason why I had a bad experience with bear in the Sierra just is because they have these bear cans, mm-hmm. uh, bear boxes that you can yeah. store your food in. And some people just leave their trash there. And so the bears will kind of hang around there trying to get food. And uh, sometimes they're so used to humans that you can't really scare them off very well. So I had one issue with the bear at a campsite, but there were so many other people there I felt safe. Um, and then going further north, I saw some mama bears with their cubs. And uh, luckily had some uh, people in my trail family around me at the time. So I felt safe there too. And then one night uh, you kind of get complacent out there and I had my headphones in and I was hiking by myself and I turned a corner and all of a sudden this big brown bear is maybe like 10 feet from me. And we both stared at each other with like total shock, surprised faces. I think we both, you know, shocked each other. Yeah. Um, But I I realized it took me a while to respond, but I finally made some noise and uh, he like looked really scared at me and just like charged downhill. And man, he went super fast, like 30 miles an hour down this hill. Wow. Like stomping on tree logs and stuff. And uh wow, you just realize how fast a bear can run and yeah. you realize why you never run from a bear. You should, you know, <laughs> go faster Because they can definitely outrun you and catch up to you. So yeah.
1: So are you carrying bear spray?
0: Uh no, most people actually never carry bear spray out there. Uh, it's pretty rare to see. Uh, and everyone I talked to, they may have had some close encounters with bears, but never had any big issues. Got it. Um, I think the scariest thing I heard was, uh, this, uh, woman I was hiking with Bambi. She had a bear come up to her tent at night, um, while she's sleeping. And she just heard this like breathing noise, like at, on the top of her head. Oh. And, uh, at first she freaked out and was screaming and the bear wasn't moving. So she had to like, kind of like, get up and make a lot of noise and try to scare the bear off. But once she did, the bear left her alone. Yeah. So you know it's just how you deal with the situation yes Uh, but you never have to worry when you're out there you know
1: yeah it's usually the people that are um just being um you know leaving food out and and not being responsible about it right right
0: and you need yeah so you look that stuff up and you you know treat the trail right and you're not leaving trash around um Mm -hmm. you know you, you don't have to worry about those things
1: yeah so uh, one of the things I love talking about with people in these kinds of adventures is um, I just kind of have this fixation with the word awe. Um, and when I started this podcast, I looked it up. And the, the, the definition of the word awe in, on Google, their online dictionary, is a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear or wonder. And I just have to imagine, like I was just envisioning, you said, when you climbed Mount Whitney... And you saw the sunrise. I just, I have to imagine that you just had like an abundance of awe experiences out there.
0: Oh, definitely. Uh, You're just in total shock of what you're looking at. Trying to process all of it too. Just because like, yeah, it's so dry out there on the West Coast that you can just see for miles and miles at a time. Um, So there's definitely moments like that where you're just like, how do I take all this in and appreciate this moment, you
1: know? How do you do that?
0: It's tough. Um, You kind of... You kind of just try to sit there and soak it all in um, and not really focus on what's ahead. Um, just trying to like soak up those moments. And then for me, um, just taking pictures of me and my trail family uh, at these places. So you can look back later in life and like try to reimagine and relive what you went through. Uh, is super helpful in the future too. Yeah.
1: It's hard to do though. I remember I we did an R V trip to the Canadian Rockies at one point and uh I remember taking pictures of these majestic mountains and then looking at the picture and thinking to myself, like yeah. this doesn't even come close. I know
0: it doesn't cut it, but at least it kind of maybe triggers your memory of that place yeah. and um and you know, things like that.
1: You have to experience it, don't you?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, pictures don't do you justice.
1: So, I mean, what an epic adventure and then throwing uh, Everest in there. Can you tell us a little bit about like uh, Derek before all this adventure and and then like, how did you get into this adventure spirit and start doing these kinds of trips?
0: Right. So like graduating from college, um, I went on my first backpacking trip trip, which was in uh, Scotland on the West Highland way. And it was like a 96 mile adventure. Um, so it was my first like multi-day trip like that, but we stayed in uh, bed and breakfasts and hotels so it was kind of like an outdoor experience, but it was really, like, gentle. Um, and then from there, I just really fell in love with um, being outdoors for long stretches like that. And so I found um, Kilimanjaro, actually, when I was looking up for my next trip. And that is, like, a seven-day trip uh, going up to Mount Kilimanjaro, the highest mountain in Africa. Yep. And so that was my first real mountain experience. And uh, I just had the time of my life out there, and I was like, I need to find ways to do more of this. And so, yeah, I found more and more mountain trips to go on. Um, And then finally, it just, uh, I kind of worked up to it, but I was like, hey, maybe I can do the Pacific Crest Trail. I had heard of it before, but I always thought it was kind of like far off, like something I wouldn't be capable of doing. Um, But then I was looking for ways to train for Mount Everest and I was like, hey, maybe I can accomplish another life goal by going on the PCT for a month beforehand. Mm. I can, uh, you know, hike every day and that would give me really good shape. You're at high altitude at times. And it just made a lot of sense my mind like hey I can do both these goals at once if I take time off
1: yeah that's amazing so if I go back it sounds like the Scotland backpacking trip was sort of the trigger for this lifetime adventure what what called you to that trip in particular
0: well I was trying to do something you know kind of adventurous um I'd always kind of been scared of actually flying on planes and things like that but my family had gone to Europe when I was in college and uh, yeah, I just, I decided I kind of made an excuse. I was like, Hey, I have summer classes. I can't go. Um, but then uh, actually I actually had a kind of a bad experience in my family, but my mom passed away. Mm-hmm. And so I never got to go on that Europe trip with her. And uh, so that happening kind of made like triggered me and, you know, maybe kind of realized I should really get over my fears and really go see the world and travel. Um, and so after she passed away. I was looking for maybe like a kind of international trip to go on. And, because I missed that Europe trip, I was trying to find a trip in Europe to go to. And I uh, found the West Island way and it just made a lot of sense. And uh, that was my first international flight. And I kind of got over that fear. And ever since then, I've uh, really taken on to traveling. And um, so a lot of times you just got to get over those fears and go see the world and adventure. You know, it's worth mm-hmm.
1: it in the end. I had to tell you, when you told the story about your mom passing away, man, I just got chills. Like that. <laughs> Um, yeah, and that was, that was a trigger for you to, to get you out on that trip.
0: Sometimes you need a moment in your life like that, that, you know, pushes you to do things that you don't think you're capable of.
1: So, yeah. So what happened in Scotland that, I mean, obviously you went on that trip and you were hooked. Like what happened in Scotland?
0: Yeah. So in Scotland, you basically kind of like on the PCT, you're basically just waking up in the morning, um, eating breakfast, getting on trail and just kind of hiking outdoors all day long. And then. Um, settling in at a place for the night and then kind of waking up and doing all that over again it sounds super simple and maybe it's not for everybody but just all the places you get to see while hiking is just really breathtaking and uh, life-changing experiences I it's something you can't do in the in the normal day-to-day life you know so you definitely appreciate it while you're out there
1: yeah I just wonder what it is about that experience that's just so I mean it, it's almost it's addicting isn't it
0: It is kind of addicting. You're always chasing that next thing, like like totally different train or new places you've never seen. Like you kind of just want to experience that and and see everything and really just a sense of adventure. I mean, there's places on the PCT, if you think about it, like there's really no access to these trails. So like the day-to-day person, day-to-day hiker is never going to see these sections of the Sierra. So unless you through hike, you know, you're seeing all these special places that a lot of people in the world never get to see. And I think that's really special.
1: Yeah. And and like, but what is it about the nature side of it? Like, what is it about nature that's so Mm -hmm. addicting or just like, what is it that calls us to nature?
0: Maybe it's just going back to our roots, you know, like it's, it's something that, you know, humans didn't build and maybe that makes you appreciate it more. Um, It's just natural wonder. Yeah. And you just feel more peace with yourself out there too. You know, it's just
1: peaceful. peace. Yeah, it's true. You feel at peace out there. The um, Pacific Crest Trail and the Everest experience, were those your longest adventures?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Because before I was able to take vacation at work to go on trips. But uh, for this trip, these two trips, uh, I just didn't have enough vacation to cover the amount of time. So I had to leave my job to do these things.
1: So this was so important to you. Nature called you to such a degree that you gave up your job to go do this.
0: Yeah, and it was a pretty good job too. I was uh, sad to leave my company, but it was the only way I could do it. And um, yeah, to me, it was just worth it to go chase these goals.
1: All right, can we talk about that? Can we just, first first of all, can we just go back and you tell us a little bit about what your job was before you committed to this trip?
0: Yeah, so my job was my first job out of college. It was uh, for this company called Ascent Performance Materials. And uh, I was working as a chemical engineer for the past six years um, and this plant in Pensacola, Florida.
1: So chemical engineer, great job. Everything's going great, but yet you had, you got this call.
0: Yeah. Cause I was starting to realize if I don't do these things now, when will I be able to do them? Is it going to be, you know, when I'm 50 or 60, um, you know, it's hard to get that much time off in your life. And, uh, so I knew like the sooner I could act, you know, I'm healthier. I'm, I'm younger. Um, it just made more sense to do it as early as possible. Yeah.
1: Now, right before we hit record on this call, you were telling me about how once you quit your job, you started having some second doubt, some second guessing and some doubts. And tell me what was, yeah. your, what was going through your mind.
0: So I felt really confident at first, um, you know, booking the trip to Nepal, to Everest, and then the PCT, um, you know, I was living in an apartment, I ended my lease, uh, I moved everything out of my place into my car everything I couldn't fit, I had to toss and get rid of. So I really started living more minimally. And then I drove all the way to the west coast to my sister's and um, to store my things. And it was there where I kind of realized like, whoa, like I don't have a place to live anymore. Uh, All the stuff I own is just in my car and I'm about to like go live outdoors basically for the next six months. Uh, Yeah, so that was a big shock. And then finally going on the Pacific Coast Trail, that was my first adventure. Um, I got dropped off on the border and my Uber driver was getting questioned by border patrol and I felt really bad for him. He was sweating, really nervous. And then they started questioning me once he dropped me off and there was no one else around. I was totally by myself and it was actually really windy and kind of chilly. So i had to put my jacket on and I was kind of psyching my guess myself. I was like, wow, like I'm out here. Uh, I'm really doing this thing. I don't know if it's the right choice, but then after that first day, everything just clicked. And I met those two hikers that I became friends with and I just started having a really great time and basically I had no regrets. But I mean, you definitely go through ways. I mean, even come back, not having a job and trying to go through the job interview process again. Um, you're definitely like, lose a little bit of self-confidence. Like, hey, am I able to get another job and a job that I want? Um, so yeah, there's definitely times where it's hard like that and you got to push through.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually, i have just taken some notes here and uh, I wrote down the word confidence like five seconds before you said self-confidence because I'm <laughs> thinking, man, like, You just have to have some, like, if you don't have confidence, you're going to build it doing what you were doing out there. Definitely. Yeah. I I mean, I'm just, so, you know, what were some of the doubts that initially went through your mind?
0: First was like, Hey, maybe I'm not cut out to hike the Pacific Crest trail. Um, You know, the first couple of days are pretty rough and it's a lot more weight on your back than you think. And so you're struggling with like back pains, your legs are tired, um, you know, things like that. And you just feel like maybe you're not cut out for what you're doing. and then also. Like in the job world, like most people don't leave their job for six months to go hiking. And so then you're worried about coming back, like at this gap in my resume, no one's yeah. going to want to hire me, um, you know, things like that. So you're kind of just like self-doubting. Um, but, you know, you just have to have confidence through those moments and know that, you know, you're going to have a great time out there. You're doing this for a reason because you want to. And holding on to those things is important for sure.
1: Yeah. So I think this is kind of a funny little path that we're taking here because you you gave up a great job and you went and did this thing um, maybe lacking confidence about like whether or not it's going to work out. But ultimately, you know, I'm looking at somebody that's willing to just take a chance and go do this huge thing. And I'm that's like, that alone takes confidence. And I know there's a confidence that you gain when you do these things and you climb Mount Everest. I mean, Like what employer wouldn't want to hire somebody that that's, that's got that level of confidence.
0: That's right. And so that's one of the things you just have to realize, like, Hey, look at the things I just did with my time off. Like, it's not like you quit your job and then just stayed at home and became a couch potato for the next six months. You know, you're doing these amazing things that most people haven't had the opportunity to do. And uh, they're really impressive looking back on it, you know, like you feel really good about yourself. Um, And so it's definitely easy to explain to people why you have a gap on your resume, for instance, yeah. And it's just, if you think about the things you did and how hard they were and how you persevered, uh, I mean, it's hard not to be, you know, proud of your accomplishments.
1: Yeah. And, and so actually just within the last week or so, you've kind of re kicked off the interviewing process and, uh, yeah, yeah, how's that going?
0: Yeah. Again, you know, I was kind of like knocking back from companies for the first week or two and I kind of had self doubts again, but then, uh, all of a sudden I started getting back from all these jobs that I applied for and, uh, like, wow, like, you know, I should be confident in myself. Um, I got all these opportunities awaiting me. And, uh, you know, eventually it's come down to like two companies and they're both in the area that I want to live in, which is in Colorado. Um, So I'm really excited about that. And, and, you know, things worked out. And that's kind of like the theme of, I guess, of all this is that you just trust in yourself and be confident and everything will work out. in the end, whether it's on trail or in the real world.
1: Yeah, so things working out. I mean, for you, one of the questions that goes through my mind is, you know, you've got this great job. Like, how do you leave this great job? But then how do you not go do these amazing adventures? But then what happens is you came back and you found a great job in a place, Colorado.
0: <laughs> which <laughs> maybe loved outdoors. I mean, it's hard to beat, right?
1: I mean, so you've really figured out a way to like capture the the real the both and to be able to to work in that professional environment and still have that nature and and have just incredible country and hiking. It's, it's, it's incredible.
0: And if I never left on those trips, maybe I never would have had the chance to live in Colorado. You know, sometimes you just got to take that step and hope things will work out. But if you don't take that step, then you'll never get what you want in your life. So,
1: yeah. So one thing um, I think probably some of our listeners are wondering, like you did take a year off, you left your job and it was a whole year off. Like, just financially, how are you able to manage leaving your work and, and taking a whole year to, to do this?
0: Yeah, so I mean, you definitely have to plan it out. I mean, there's some people that don't plan things, but then they get on trail and they run out of money and they could potentially end their trip early and not be able to complete their, their life whole. So for me, it was really, you know, maybe five years ago that I really th- thought about climbing Mount Everest and um, just trying to live financially um, kind of more minimally and setting money aside every year. So I'd have enough in the future to go do something like this. And then just having a emergency fund in the back to like fall back upon, you know, like come back and you're looking for jobs and reintegrating into the real world. So.
1: Derek, I want to just take you back and think about your, the, the, the Derek from before Scotland and that, that Derek compared to the Derek that I'm talking to right now, like, okay. what, what what's, what are the major differences? How have you changed during that time of doing all these adventures?
0: Yeah, so before Scotland, I was honestly kind of afraid of like, like I was saying, traveling, experiencing new cultures, um, being in a setting where I didn't know people. Uh, So really, yeah, a lot of a lot of like just feeling afraid, um, having these fears and, you know, post Scotland was really just getting over my fears. Like, for instance, after Scotland, my first trip was going to Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. And I took this international flight out there by myself in this country where I didn't speak anyone's language um and having to deal with that and so really for me it's just getting out of my comfort zone mm. um i've you know had a lot of experiences in my life since then that i've really reached out and experienced new cultures um got on these awesome adventures and it's yeah just really getting out of your comfort zone so
1: it, it seems to me that for you it was just taking that first plunge and it's just it seems like the momentum
0: you realize how great it can be right
1: yeah, it just keeps getting going, getting faster and, and you just keep adding more things to the list and it's just, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, definitely. Self-progress, right? Measuring yourself against yourself.
1: <laughs> there you go. So what advice do you have for people that are listening that maybe um, have felt that call to nature, that call to adventure and are kind of second guessing, well, I can't do yep. that. I have a job or I have this or I have that. You know, what what advice do you have for them?
0: Yes. Actually, I read the other day something about the two most dangerous words is one day uh, because mm-hmm. you just keep putting things off and you're like, oh, one day I want to do this or one day I'll do this. But really, I mean, you need to plan like a specific date for yourself, whether it's like four years down the road or, you know, 10 years down the road, kind of have like this firm date in your mind um, where you actually start planning and making it, you know, actual, um, you know, is important because otherwise you, you may not ever do these things that you dream of doing. Because, you know, you just keep putting it off, you know, like a firm date.
1: Yeah. And and for you, like Everest was something that you've been planning for for quite a while. When did you start? How long ago did you start planning for that?
0: Yeah, so it was really after Mount Kilimanjaro, where I really got into mountaineering. And uh, I kind of wanted to chase the seven summit goal where we climb the highest mountain each continent. And uh, so it was like, hey, one day I want to make Mount Everest happen. So I want to put money aside uh, to realize that dream one day. Um, so I, yeah, so I kind of had a date in mind, maybe like five, six years down the road. Got it. I did some financial, you know, analysis kind of thing. Yep. Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, one of the ways to do it. You don't just say one day you plan for an
1: actual eventuality. You pick the date and you start, you start planning for it.
0: Right. And then you can, you know, save money and like do the things that matter to help make yeah. that goal a reality.
1: Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, Derek, you've had an incredible run up to this point, And I know that there's lots more to come, but Hollywood's going to make a movie about you at some nah. point. Uh, and yeah. I want to know who the actor is going to be. That's going to play you in your movie. Ooh, That's, that's a good point.
0: Actually, I honestly, I, I thinking about this, uh, my trail friend and my trail family had a really good idea, but there's really no like kind of reality TV shows based on around hiking a trail, like through hiking. So I almost think a TV series would be a pretty awesome thing to see about like, you know, maybe a 10 episode series of someone hiking in Pacific Crest Trail, how they meet like friends and make a trail family, uh, all the places they get to see and what they have to deal with in terms of hardships. So I think it'd be pretty cool to actually film uh, an actual trail family that's hiking the trail over the course of their adventure and and kind of make that into a TV
1: series people could see. Yeah, that would be awesome. What, what What would the series be called?
0: Actually, I heard this phrase the other day about some people think this trail life is pretty glamorous, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's, you doing some things that are pretty funny. Like you're eating a lot of junk food, for instance, you're not eating very healthy. So maybe like junk food tour of America, <laughs>
1: the junk food tour of America. You get to explore oh all gosh. the different candy bars and things like that out there. You do, you do, ha- you eat a lot. You gotta, you gotta get calories, right? I'll be honest. I probably had eight or 10
0: chocolate bars a day, whether it's Snickers or Milky Ways or <laughs> things like that. You know, you just need the calories because yeah, you're just I mean, hiking you're, all day long. You're
1: hiking 25, 25, 30 miles a day. Yeah. You, you gotta do it. Well, yeah. Derek, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. This has been so much fun, and I've really enjoyed hearing this story. Um, I, I know I am inspired to get out and do the Pacific Crest Trail at some point in my life, and I just want to thank you for being here today. Oh, thanks, and, uh And to our listeners, I hope you've been inspired as much as I have, and I hope that Derek's story has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside you that calls you to adventure, because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or you need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thank you for listening.